And you want to kind of build those relationships to kind of do some co-marketing. And the same applies to you personally. If you have friends with hobbies, then you could probably send them a message saying, hey, do you fancy to go play um, football with again or something? Like, it comes back to life as well. Like, you build friends in life to do things with and have experiences. The same happens in the, the content world and business world. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Jamie Barton, who is DevRel at GraphBase. And GraphBase is a real-time GraphQL platform. Jamie, it's so great to uh, chat with you. Thanks for joining. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about GraphBase? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jamie. I'm a developer relations slash advocate slash technical writer slash video content creator <laughs> at GraphBase. And um, throughout my career, I've been kind of involved with building websites primarily. Um, I started at a young age with Flash, uh, Swish Max, if anyone listening remembers that. Um, so building for the web kind of way back when, um, going through creating stuff with tables and rounded corners with images. And then, you know, over the last few years, I've really been focusing on uh, the Jamstack, GraphQL. And yeah, that's that's kind of my story so far. That's awesome. So you've got a lot of slashes in your in your capabilities and uh, you have been coding yeah. a long time. That's awesome. Y- yeah, it's kind of any anyone that works in DevRel will tell you that, you know, they're, they're kind of pulled pillar to post on what what to work on and I'm somebody that just gets involved with everything uh, and likes to do that. I don't mind that. I'm also happy to just do one thing, but I, I like to be involved because I've got a broad set of skills, I think, that can be applied in many areas. And I like to help startups and businesses grow as well. So whatever I can do to help, I'm happy to kind of pitch in and help where needed. Yeah, that's really cool. And one of the things that I was really excited to kind of ask you about was all of the video stuff that you've been doing. I mean, I think we spoke off camera that you've probably done more than 100 videos now on developer content. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, this started out many years ago. I kind of started a YouTube channel and it no longer exists, but I started to put out just kind of unboxing videos. And then I started to do kind of small how-tos with like the iPhone and things like that. But I ended up deleting all of those because they were old and cringy. And I then set about kind of just creating web developer content. Um, I had kind of all of the gear and no idea uh, of what, you know, creating videos and and stuff many, many years ago. And I think I've got some of those videos still on YouTube, but I went back and deleted some. And over the last few years, I've really just been focused on creating content for a specific topic. Um, But I'm looking to kind of, you know, diversify that a little bit over the next year or two. Yeah, when you say like you had like uh, all the gear, no idea, um, versus now when you do have some idea, like what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think are the biggest uh, things that you've learned over that time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's just trying different things, and you know, the, I don't think there's one formula that works for everybody. I have a very specific video format or style, you could say that might not appeal to everybody. Um, and I think now what I've learned myself, and you know, this is the content that I've been creating, people who comment on the videos and reach out to me on, on DMs say, oh, I love the content because it's so short. There's no ums and ahs. 
It's just to the point and someone can follow along. And I like that style from a very, um, a very large website back in my Ruby on Rails days was someone called Ryan Bates. And he created this style that I absolutely love. And I think over the years we've seen that with John um, and Joel at um, Egghead, they did a similar kind of style. And that's kind of been something that's just kind of stuck with me. Um, and I, I really prefer myself to kind of watch that content. So I really prefer to create that kind of content. And I think what I've found is that works for my audience, but that might not work for everybody. And anyone that's creating content might not like to create that either. So find, you know, I would say if you're looking to do it, find your style, find what works for your, for your viewers and try and you know, grow that. Yeah. And is there any like kind of, once you kind of latch onto that and you've got your style, are there any like kind of challenges or like, is it hard to kind of stick to that and stay in like your? I don't think so. I think you, I think if you have a specific style, it's very easy to just kind of put that on repeat. I think what a lot of people don't do is reuse content. Um, and this is something which I'm guilty of. And uh, just because I find it too like marketing or spammy and, that's just, I, I'll create a video, I'll post about it, I'll tweet about it once, and then I don't recycle that. And, I, you know, that, that's anyone that's in video content creation will say you need to be posting this stuff, you know, one, two, three times a week or whatever. And you need to make it into a blog post, you need to make it into a, I don't know, TikTok these days and um, you know, try all these different things to reuse that content because that is going to help the overall larger piece with these different uh, mediums as well. And uh, not everyone likes to watch videos. I've just kind of, stuck on that because i find them easy and quick to create um but the blog posts do take a little bit longer to do i started to do it then i fell off then i got back on they'll fall off again um, so it's just something i need to kind of i personally need to do more of but i would say anyone that wants to get into that kind of content creation reuse as much of that content as you can because people find you through all sorts of different ways and like i say not everyone likes video they might just prefer to read it or see a very short form video on uh you know instagram reels tiktok etc yeah i think that's a really good point about recycling um one thing you mentioned there is that you find it easier to make videos than to write blog posts which is probably the opposite experience that i've had at least um and so i'm very curious about what your process is for making videos yeah um I, I, I used to feel like that. It was a lot easier to just kind of write something if I was sat on my, on my laptop and just write something and get it down. And I still do a little bit of that now, but I still kind of go first with a video when I'm creating content and want to share it. So my typical process is if I'm using a tool, uh, either with some client work or just personally or whatever, and I find something that others might enjoy, I will take that and isolate that into something where I can teach very, very quickly. And my style of videos isn't showing somebody, hey, this is my platform. I'm going to walk you through every dropdown. It's more about, here's how you do this with that. So it could be how to add authentication in a React context provider or something with a third-party tool. It's very specific, but that opens yourself to hundreds of different content pieces about that topic because you can reuse that with different providers. And I think a lot of these videos that are kind of, let's follow along and build this with this platform, they go out of date very quickly. Um, but, you know, th those are also needed as well. Don't get me wrong. Those videos are needed. Um, but I just think if somebody is wanting to 
watch content or read content, I think the shorter it is, the more isolated it is, the better, because someone can just come in, learn, move on, and they'll come back. They'll, they'll come back with these quick tips, no doubt. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're kind of like solving people's problem in a video. Yeah, and, and, and I don't have a formula on like what exactly the content should be. I tend to just kind of look on what's happening on Reddit and Discord, seeing what questions people are asking. And once I see the same thing being asked like once or twice a month, then I know, okay, there's an opportunity to create some content here that helps those people or helps the next round of people that come in in six months time and have the same issue. So that's ten, that tends to be how I get video ideas. I don't tend to just, like I say, create hour long videos. These videos are like six minutes or thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant way to do it. So when it comes to just like getting the word out there, do you feel like it's better to kind of outsource that to like, well, not outsource, but partner with like external creators? Yeah, I think it's great because the, you know, all of those content content creators can bring their own ideas and own style. And that can then often lead to new and wonderful ways that platform can be used. Quite often, I'll be, you know, if I'm given a project to a content creator, it's often very biased to something that I've got experience with because I'm in my comfort zone. But when I kind of just say, you know, the idea is yours, you take an idea, you come up with the idea, you create the content, then you get some amazing results because of that. Um, and I think that's re- a really nice way to go about it because the content creator feels they have free reign on what they create and they aren't kind of, they don't feel bored and kind of restricted on what they can do. They'll, they'll often go and play and learn and they'll enjoy the experience more than they will just kind of following something we've told them to create because they've got 50,000 followers. So I don't, I think that approach is, is a lot better. Yeah, actually, I feel like you're probably the best person to like around to ask about like how, cause I've tried to partner with like creators when I've done work with dev tools before. And like, it can be quite hard to actually um, find people that are willing to partner with you, especially if you're quite unknown. Um, what, like, how do you go about that as someone that's been on both sides of the yeah. table? <laughs> yeah. I personally try to build relationships with developers and make friends in the space. So there's certain people that I know that I could reach out to and go, Hey, I have this opportunity. Are you available? If they're not, we can find someone that is. And I would say the reason how I'm able to do that, or the, you know, why I'm able to do that now is just for relationship building. So these podcasts that you're doing, you'll certainly be in people's minds now um, with all the conversations you've had. So just kind of keep those alive and, and, and reach out and make sure that you form relationships with people and then you'll find it's a lot easier to reach people you typically couldn't. Like there's so many large content creators over the over the over my years that I've reached out to and never replied. But now I'm able and that's because they get thousands of DMs, right? Um, but now I'm able to kind of go through uh I'm gonna say like a back channel or whatever it is, but like I can reach out to a friend that's in connection with that person and get in that way. Um and I think the more kind of relationships that you build that becomes easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, it's not like, yeah, it's like, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Like that's saying it, that's very true here. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it, it definitely feels like that partnerships type thing is, is such a great growth opportunity, but it's not like easy. Like you can't just 
send out a load of emails and suddenly line up all these partnerships. Yeah. And I think at the startups that I've joined, part you know, the, the companies have created partnerships with other like like minded startups, right? Like there could be a data and a search company and uh, like a, a warehouse company that deals with data, large amounts of data and you deal with data. You want to kind of build those relationships to kind of do some co-marketing. And the same applies to you personally. You know, if you have friends with hobbies, then you could probably give them, a, you know, send them a message saying, hey, do you fancy to go play um, football the weekend or something? Like it comes back to life as well. Like you build friends in life to do things with and, have experiences the same happens in the the content world and business world yeah that's a really good point um yeah yeah really very very deep uh powerful point there jamie (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and you kind of touched on it a bit um documentation uh documentation is something that everyone finds difficult and i wondered like how video fits into documentation in your mind yeah, so documentation is a huge topic, and it's something I love. Every time I join a startup, it's the one thing I somewhat end up spending a bunch of time on because it needs to be right. It needs to be good. Developers need to be able to use it in a way that helps the product grow and that, you know unlocks kind of those new ideas. Videos can be a part of that, and I think the format I was mentioning before with that that is very short form those can often live inside of documentation. And what I mean by that is if you have a page in your documentation on how to invite your team, then it'd be really nice to have a video that's very specific to inviting your team. But then can you break that down further to making that video just about inviting a single user? Then can you create a video about updating a user's role or maybe it's removing them or updating their permissions? Like create these small isolated videos that don't, need to be you know long and it doesn't add a lot of overhead when things change in those uis it's very easy to go back and re-record those because you haven't recorded everything else that you were doing and you've got all of this context keep it very isolated doesn't matter if people's avatars or names change throughout those videos because they're separate videos people are more forgiven i think when when it's like that um so yeah videos can be a part of that but there's different types of documentation with uh, tutorials, guides, um, you know, and everything else, <laughs> technical documentation as well. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. And where do you kind of like start if you're just coming into a startup and they don't have any video content? Is there anywhere like rules of thumb where you kind of think about getting started? Yeah, it's often the quick starts where look at the user base, see what they're most familiar with and using. What, why are people come to your platform? Are the most, you know, are, are, is the majority React developers, JavaScript, Next, or Vue, or Svelte, or whatever? Um, I've spent a lot of time in this space. So it, over time, there's been a shift towards the tools that people use, but now it seems to be very Next.js focused, and Svelte is another big one. But then there's, there's all of these other micro frameworks as well. So what I like to do when coming up with kind of content ideas for video is just to look at what people are using already and create content that helps them go further, but also create content that helps new developers as well. And I've been using Next.js since probably the day it came out. Like 
I, I think this was like 2016, 2017, when GraphQL was just kicking off and Next was a, a thing. It, it just started out. It didn't do too much, but I've been using it since then. And over time, I started to create content about that. And more people will learn about Next. And I could reference them to this video with Next and whatever product I was kind of selling at the time, you could say. And, um, you know, direct them to that. And that helps them grow with Next, grow in that ecosystem, build relationships in that ecosystem, and as well, learn your product and how it fits with with the product uh, and your frameworks that you're used to. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and then st- stepping back into like the documentation as a whole, um, what do you think, what do you see startups like doing right or doing not so right um, with documentation? Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm not too opinionated with docs other than I think documentation should have a clear starting point. Like don't make your index page of docs have like a dozen CTAs. Like if somebody is used to using your product, they'll be able to go and find what they're looking for. Typically, an advanced user that's been using your product a long time will probably end up in some advanced guides or the API reference. That tends to be where they spend the majority of their time. They don't need the fluff on getting started because they're in. They've got started. That They're in deep. So they want that API reference that's got all of the, the raw metal, what goes in, what comes out, etc. Um, but I think documentation that is good has a clear starting point, and it's it can be a quick start. Get started with your favorite framework. And I think... As popular as Tailwind is now, it's a CSS framework. They even have framework guides. So when you go into their documentation, you can easily install Tailwind into your existing framework. So you can forget about kind of everything else. Get back into your bubble and learn how this thing works with what you're used to. And I think documentation that follows that format works very well because people are less overwhelmed. There's less things for people to think about and get confused about. if they're already in their comfort zone. So creating quick starts is a great way to onboard new users um, and having examples in the technical side that are cop- you, know, you can copy and paste them like API requests or JavaScript functions. That's also very helpful. Yeah, so just like reducing the friction to kind of pick something up and get started. Yeah. 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 Um, one question, just this is like uh, kind of a random question, but I saw it on Twitter today. Um, Boris from Baseline, um, one of this um, observability startup, uh, was saying that if you're introducing, you shouldn't be introducing new concepts that are like very like obscure early on in the docs um, and especially not like inventing new things unless you really have to. Um, yeah. I just kind of wondered if you have any thoughts on that. I would agree with that. And that comes from, I remember at a previous startup, they were trying to call the dashboard something completely d- different and bizarre, like a cockpit or something. And I'm like, what? They're like, well, yeah, this is the command center. And I'm like, it's just a dashboard. Like a dashboard is a term that we all know. Let's not call it something else. And I think the same applies to documentation. Like just, just be clear to the point and have less... Like, I think that's probably driven from marketing more than anything because they want to kind of create these cool 
words. Like you go on the Apple website and describe the iPhone in all of these different weird and wonderful ways, but it's documentation. Like just tell me what I need to know. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And what if it's like some kind of, it is genuinely like kind of a new concept. Like, I don't know if you're like starting a new kind of like type, like you're the next Docker and you're like, you've got this thing that's a bit like a container, but not like a container. And like, yeah. How how do you think about that sort of stuff? I think for that stuff, you know, there is a, there is a place for documentation for your documentation you could say uh and this could be in a format where it's like it's a movement like over the last few years i say the last few years it's probably been the last five years there's been a shift towards composable commerce and that was a term that really wasn't coined by anybody um i believe the startup that i was working for at the time coined this because we were talking about this years before but composable commerce has just been this thing that has evolved and then now we have Halo and Mac Alliance and there's all these kind of groups of visionaries and advocates of this wider topic that I think there is a place for that because everyone's trying to move the industry in a certain direction. Um, so yeah, I do agree. You know, you can use certain terms, but if if it's done right, like there's no point just throwing in a buzzword or a fluffy headline if there's nothing to kind of back it up or kind of push that movement forward. Mm. yeah that makes sense that really makes sense and also don't use those don't use those in your own documentation if you're just trying to fit in like if you don't believe in this stuff or your product has no signs that it works with this like don't try to fool developers into thinking that it does just by including a certain term because developers see through that yeah could you dig in and maybe tell us a bit more about like any examples around that like <laughs> um without you can be very vague on it <laughs> yeah i can be very vague um yeah i i think it's i mean i've worked in the headless cms space for the last few years and before that was the e-commerce space and a, a headless space is changed now where if you're a content editor that people come and edit content for their websites or whatever like that's what you are like, don't try to fool anybody that you anything more unless you do it. And some companies try to fool you into thinking that they have more control and over the over the size of everything and a larger piece of the pie of what everyone's using. Um, just don't try and, yeah, I'd say just don't fool anyone into thinking that's why people use you. Like, if you are a certain tool, I'm not going to mention names, but, like, if you're a CMS, like, you're a CMS. If you want to move into a different area, that's great. Try that. Talk to your users. Build on it. Which I've worked for a CMS that did that. They spoke about. They spoke to users like we want to move into this other area. But I think if you change your marketing to be all in on that and forget about the CMS stuff, it's very confusing because developers who have found you because you were recommended as a CMS now see you as something else. is It's just very jarring for the end user. So I don't know if that answers your question properly. I'll just say be truthful with your users about who you are. And if you are trying to be something different and something new, that's also good, but just try and do it in a nice way that brings everybody along, then just kind of stop starting because it can feel like it's a completely different company um, as well and people just get confused. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I just be, just be truthful with devs. 
Yeah, it's a good answer. Thank you. And I think another thing on that is just be core to what you're doing. And by that, I mean persist your message for as long as you can. Because if you're changing that frequently, uh, like every quarter, then people will miss that. And people can, if you change that to try and kind of capture more leads or gain more signups, then you can be missing all of the people from the previous cohort because you changed your message and they didn't say it, but now you're saying you're something else. Like just say what you are, be clear um, and go from there. That's exactly what um, Jason Langstorff was saying um, in an episode recently. And uh, yeah, I think you're so right. It's a, it's a really great point. Yeah. I mean, he's an awesome guy and, and, and done some amazing things and yeah, like, I'm sure he's got more experience in this area than I do, but it seems obvious, right? Like just don't change your messaging like frequently because not everyone's going to say it. Not everyone's checking your website every day. Like, you know, people think they are, but you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's such a good point. And you're very humble, Jamie. You've got a ton of experience. Um, so it's great to hear your, your points of view on it. Um, Jamie, if there's, um, one one thing to take away from this conversation that every dev tool should be thinking about. Um, what do you think it is? Every dev tool should not forget documentation is part of the product. I'll probably just leave it at that. Okay, amazing. Documentation <laughs> is part of the product. It is. Develop product managers, CEO they all understand the importance of documentation and how they can generate leads and how it can further grow existing users, new users. Um, you know, that, that is the, that is the truth. <laughs> it does all of those things. And the sooner people realize that I think a lot more people realize that now kind of dev relations and dev advocacy has grown into what it is still. No one, I think really understands what, what we do, but you know, that helps that does help the bottom line. Yeah. Amazing. And where can people learn more about Jamie and about Graphbase? Yeah, so graphbase.com uh, has, uh, we're in private beta right now where you can sign up, you can play with the product, give us some feedback. Um, that is a real-time GraphQL platform that deploys GraphQL APIs at the edge. So if any of that sounds uh, interesting, then definitely uh, check us out. Um, we allow you to bring all sorts of different data sources into your API and we'll give you an API endpoint for them all. And I'm really just interested to learn about everyone that's doing this and wants to use this um, and have those problems. So hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm NoTrap, which is Barton backwards. And yeah, nodding your head that like, makes ah, sense. light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone, every time I say that, uh, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no trap is passing backwards. I'm on Twitter, GitHub with that handle, and Discord. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining, Jamie, and thanks everyone for listening.